everyone. Welcome to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Sorensen, mother, grandmother, former teacher, and currently supporting parents who want to understand their children's behavior at a deeper level. This is where we talk about changing our perception and limiting beliefs around behavior to a more conscious approach to understanding ourselves, each other, and our most vulnerable population, our children. I share my self-discovery journey and what I've learned along the way and what I'm currently discovering as I continue evolving on this journey. My hope is that as we become more conscious of how we show up for ourselves, our children, and others, that we'll discover the beauty that lies within us all. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I am thrilled that you are here having these conversations with me. And this week, I wanted to talk about something that I think as parents we all say. um, I think it's like the number one question or comment, I think, that we say about our children. And that is, why don't they listen? Or they don't listen? Or how do I get them? to listen. They just don't listen. So this is an age-old question, and part of the problem, I believe, is that we keep asking the same question. And because we keep asking, um, that's kind of a clue that we're stuck. It's keeping us stuck. So what if we asked a different question or stated it in another from another angle? So what if we asked, rather than why don't they listen, how can I, how am I communicating? What if we ask, how am I communicating? What if we brought some awareness to how we are communicating? Um, And it might shine some light on why we're not being heard. It's not that they can't hear us. It's that they're not responding in a way we want. So why is that? Now, open to being curious and ask a new question. Is my communication effective? And if you're stating that your child doesn't listen to you, this is a sign that your communication may not be effective, right? The way we communicate with our children impacts the relationship and the quality of the relationship impacts how they respond or react in that relationship. So much of the time, we don't even realize how we are communicating, right? We go about our day on, you know, on autopilot, living out a pattern from mental models that we grew up with. We don't even think about it. And these mental models are are the cultural beliefs that we internalized from our own early relationships, Um, and that sets the lens from which we see the world. So some of these mental models may be things like children should be seen and not heard, or a well-behaved child equals a good parent. And same thing like for teachers, a well-behaved classroom equals a good teacher. And this is a really dangerous mental model because it says children do not have a voice. 
it says that they need to do everything somebody else tells them to do in order to be really loved and accepted. And in this mental model, children don't have a right to say no. Again, this is really dangerous. What happens when they go off into the world and are pressured to take a drink or try a drug or, or go uh, further with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that they really are comfortable with? A child who has been trained just to go along with what we tell them or what others tell them will not suddenly have an ability to say no. If they learned to please and just go along with what others tell them to do in order to feel accepted and, and to belong, they will have a very difficult time saying no. And they most likely will go along with it. So when I say they've been trained to um, please and go along with what others say, I mean the adults in their life, right? We train children to just go along with whatever we tell them to um, and listen to all the adults in their life, their teachers, um, you know, authority figures. Gives the message of don't trust yourself to know what to do. Trust everybody else to tell you to, so you know what to do. And that will play into peer pressure, going along with something because they don't trust themselves to be able to say no. Or that if they say no, they're going to be an outcast. They are not going to fit in and be loved by this group of people. Because the children who resist and actually say no, and who are actually, you know, they maybe learn to control. You know, there's, there's two different ways we really learn to be with our traditional model and these type of mental models of well-behaved children equal good parents type of thing is that we develop coping skills to either be the controller or be the pleaser. And the controllers as a child are outcasts, right? Those are the the troublemakers. Those are the not well-behaved children. And so what we really are looking for are pleasers, right? We reward them when they are listening to me and they're doing it my way and they're, you know, they're doing all the stuff I want them to do. Um, when they don't really have a voice of their own, they just go along. Um, and, and so this is a problem with this traditional mental model of a well-behaved child and do as I say because it makes me feel important. You know, I want to be a good parent. I want to feel liked. Um, I want to feel like I'm, a, like I'm a good parent. And it's really about a feeling. I want to feel good. I want to feel loved. And we have in this culture equated good with love. We were taught to be a good child. And we did what we had to do to be seen as a good child. So we would feel loved and accepted. And now we want to be good parents to feel accepted in society and, and to feel loved. And in this model... It's like our goodness depends on others' opinion. In this model, our, our goodness is dependent on external opinion. 
And our, our goodness is our worthiness. And so if a well-behaved child equals a good parent, our worthiness is attached to our child's behavior. So if our child is well-behaved, we feel loved and accepted. And so the same is true on the other side. If our children are not well-behaved, we feel not loved and not accepted. And so in this model, love and acceptance are conditional. And our children become a threat to us. And I'll say that again. Our children then become a threat to us. Because the truth is, as human beings, we are hardwired for connection, to be in community with others, to be in relationships, to be loved, to belong. And that is something we are born with. We are innately have the drive to belong. So when we live by this mental model of a well-behaved child equals a good parent, it threatens our belongingness. Our belongingness, is that a word? It threatens our acceptance. It threatens our ability to feel liked and loved. And so for many of us, being liked is super important. A a people pleaser will go to great lengths to be liked because not being liked threatens our worthiness. It threatens our sense of belonging. And again, with this mental model, we are teaching children, and as we were taught as children, to please others in order to belong. So when our children are not well-behaved, we are threatened. It threatens our sense of worthiness, our sense of being enough, threatens our sense of being a good parent, uh, feeling adequate. Because I think when our children act in certain ways, and this includes our perception of them not listening to us, we in some way feel inadequate. It's like I'm flawed in some way because my children aren't listening to me. And, and so that becomes a threat. And when we feel threatened, our brain sends off alarm bells inside of us, turning on the stress response of flight, fight, or freeze. And we lose it with our children. And then we become a threat to our children. You know, a yelling uh, adult is a threat to a child or however it is we're losing it. An adult who has lost it um, is a threat to a child. And the alarm bells in their body goes off, sending them into the same stress response. So now everyone's in survival and power struggles ensue. And it creates this them-us culture or creates a me-against-you relationship, the adult versus the child. And this impacts the quality of the relationship. Everyone is in defense and there is no connection when we are in defense. 
Because when we are in defense, whether we know that or not, we get triggered and we are bringing the other person down. And it creates this win-lose mentality. Win means good and deserving and lose means unworthy, um, essentially, or bad and undeserving. And, and no one wants to feel bad and undeserving. That's a threat. So when we attach how we feel to other people's behavior, that is a codependency. We are dependent on them to behave so we are good enough. And we are putting children in charge of our goodness, our enoughness. In other words, they are in charge of our worthiness. And now when we think about it like that, it sounds pretty crazy. Like my three-year-old is in charge of my worthiness. My teenager is in charge of my worthiness. My mother is in charge of my worthiness. And you know, the same holds true for our parents. Our parents' worthiness was dependent on us in this model. It was a pretty tall order to put on a child, being enough for our parents, always being good, always being right, making the right decisions, making, having the right friends, being in the right crowd, right? making the right amount of money, Having the having the right grades, I I'm hearing many stories um, from adults about when they were children um, and brought home grades that they themselves were proud of, um, and then to be uh, feel then to feel diminished when they've shown their parents um, because inadvertently. Um, one parent may have made a comment, whether it was jokingly or not, but even jokingly, um, a child internalizes that. So, you know, a child might, they might have brought home a B and a parent might have jokingly said, oh, well, what could you do to make it an A? Or why isn't it an A? Or how could that A minus be an A plus? Or whatever it was. And there just gets that sense of, oh my gosh, no matter what I do, It's never good enough. And here's the deal. If we don't feel like we are enough, we will never have enough. And our children will never be enough. It's like they will never be well-behaved enough or they will never listen enough or they'll, you know, it's, it's, it's really like, Looking for perfection, which doesn't even exist. It's, perfection is not humanly possible, but we tend to strive for it because we, we have this, always having this feeling of, of not enough. So, so how do we shift this? Um, so going back to why doesn't my child listen or how do I get them to, to, to listen, um, we can shift it by starting to ask a new question. How can I communicate in a way that is more effective? How can I communicate in a way that allows me to be heard? Or how can I listen? That might be another question we can ask. Am I listening to myself? Am I listening to how I'm communicating with them? How do I talk to myself 
in my head? How do I communicate with myself? You know, become aware of how am I talking to myself in my head? Because how I treat myself in my head is what will come out onto others in stressful times. So this is about taking radical responsibility for ourselves and not looking to get others to change and not looking for others to have to be different for us to be okay. And when we look to get others to change, how do we get our children to do X, Y, Z? We're really looking for them to do our work. We want them to change so we feel okay. Um, And oftentimes we'd say things like, you know, if they would just listen, I wouldn't have to yell. Or if they would just listen, I wouldn't have to take their things away. Um, And this really says they're in charge of me. They, They... have the ability, they have the power to make me feel a certain way and they have the power to make me act in certain ways. And if they would just change, everything would be fine. This is not taking responsibility. This is putting our responsibilities on others. And then we often talk about wanting our children to be responsible. We have to start taking radical responsibility for ourselves before we will plant those seeds of responsibility. Otherwise, it's just obligation, making our children do things out of guilt and obligation. And that is not responsibility and it's not respect. So this starts with doing our own work. It is no one else's job to make us feel okay, to make us feel liked or accepted or have a sense of belonging. That is our job. Their job is to like and accept themselves. And our job is to like, is to do our work um, of liking and accepting ourselves. And we know this now because we have new information. We have new research. We have neurology. We have a whole different level of understanding behavior. And now we know that the need to make our children listen or behave or get them to do certain things is really about our worthiness. And that is our work to do. That is our inner work. So how can we um, better communicate with our children is by doing our own work. The way to better communication is by doing our own inner work. And it's also, it's about being more flexible in our thinking. It's about shifting those mental models, breaking those generational patterns, and rather dictating to our children We collaborate with them. We co-create with them. We're a team with them. It's about being in it with them. And again, our traditional model, we have these mental models of like asking for help is weakness or, uh, you know, being independent is strength. 
being dependent is weakness. So how we've equated help with dependence or being needy and, and that equates to not being good enough. So it's really, I think, an interdependence that we want to have. We, we aren't meant to do life alone. We cannot live in isolation, right? We need each other. Just like we need farmers to grow crops. We need truck drivers to deliver food to the grocery store. We need p- people that work in the grocery store. We need all of these things in order to put food on our table, right? We need each other. We need to live in interdependence. Um, and it's, it's the same with our home, in our homes with our children. I think at some level, it's like we're afraid to be in it with them and give them, you know, too much help. I don't know. We, it's like this fear that they won't be able to do things on their own if we're in it with them. And really, we want to teach our children how to be in a relationship, how to work with others, how to collaborate. We want to teach our children how to problem solve, how to find solutions and challenges. And we want them to have challenges and to learn ways to move through those challenges. So we don't want to just be barking orders and have them jump when we say jump. We want them to be thinkers. We want them to be able to weigh options, to have an opinion, to think for themselves, to trust themselves, and to learn how to make choices. And and to be able to make mistakes. You know, it's not just about making the right choice. You know, we sometimes rescue our children because we want to make sure they make all the right choices and do all the right things. And really, we're rescuing ourselves. We want to feel like we've done it right. And if, if, if they're being a certain way, then we've done it right. And, and again, that goes back, back to our worthiness. Um, and so, and so, yeah, we want to shift that so that children, you know, they do make mistakes and we want them to make mistakes when they're young and they're still with us. And we have, you know, the ability to, to help them through that and, and to have some influence and, and um, to be able to impact them and help them create some goals, create a plan um, to have a different outcome if they didn't like, you know, the outcome they had, to see that their choices do impact them and they, it impacts other people and how to create a new plan in a new way and keep refocusing and readjusting um, to get to your highest, your highest goal. And that is really how we build resilience and trust. So one, change your question. How do I collaborate with my children? How do I want this relationship with my children to be? Um, because when we are in a relationship, it's not about one person listening and doing everything the other person tells them to do. That's not a healthy 
relationship, and that's not what we want for our children. Um, and then two, allow yourself to be uncomfortable. Um, wanting our children to just listen is about our need for comfort, and it's it's tied to our sense of worthiness. Um, and then three, practice communicating in another way. Make sure you're going over to your child. You, you know, be aware of how am I communicating. Make sure you're going over to your child. Place a hand on them. Make sure that you have their attention, so that the in the tone and the energy in which you do that is everything. So, you know, there's a lot more also that goes into that. But just to start with, um, you know, practice communicating in a way um, so that they can hear you, which really is being engaged with them. So much of the time we're just saying stuff as we're, you know, our body is here, but our mind is somewhere else. And we're just, you know, saying stuff, stop and go over to your child place a hand on them, make sure you have their attention and engage with them. And I could go into the different communication styles too, but I want to be mindful of, you know, I don't want to get this to be too long. Um, So maybe I'll do that in another episode. Um, Yeah. And so listen to your child, um, listen to their ideas, their thoughts, their feelings, and how can you do this together? Take ownership of your feelings and allow your child to have their feelings. Upset doesn't mean something is wrong. Upset just means there's they're having an emotional experience or you're having an emotional experience. And that is being human. Well, shift, shifting that uh, well-behaved child, whatever that is, um, equals a good parent. Really, you take out the judgment of well a well-behaved and good parent and you just have a child equals a parent you know if you have a child you become a parent in our culture anyway that's that's how it's defined if you have a child you become a parent but really you know it could be defined in many different ways um some a parent could be uh caring for a young child a parent could be uh caring for a parent even, you know, sometimes that role in later years gets switched where you're caring for your parents. Or even if nothing else, you're parenting yourself, right? Your own inner child, your, those wounds from childhood, those messages of I should be different. I'm not good enough. Nothing I ever do is right. Those are wounds that can be parented now that we're adults and have more knowledge and more awareness and more consciousness around it. And we can now shift those um, in parenting ourselves. So what, however it is, however parenting is showing up for you, we can shift to from, you know, my child's not listening to me to we listening to ourselves. And that will help us in 
communicating effectively and being best, better listeners um, for others. So, all right, everybody, have a terrific week and I'll be back right back here again next week with a new episode. Thank you for tuning into the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm so very grateful for all of you who are showing up here with me because I believe subtle shifts create big impact. How we show up in our life, in our relationships, or our parenting impact our life, our children's lives, and the world. If you're ready to brave the wilderness of your beautiful soul, live life from the inside out, and create the life you want to live, head over to my website at diansorensen.net and get on my calendar to see if the Beauty and Behavior family is the right fit for you. I got you, and we'll talk again soon.